Let me take you down, cause I'm going to episode 72. Come on in. Take your shoes off. Come on in. Take your shoes off. Yeah, just come on in. Take your shoes off. How do we feel about those families? The take your shoes off families. Yeah, just take your shoes off. You got to know when you're going to a shoes off house. You got to know ahead of time. Helps you plan the whole outfit. At least you know you got to get your sock game right. Yeah, might as well put on my shittiest shoes and my best socks. We're going to this family's house. Boo boo. I'm not quite clowning those families, though. I'm not quite clowning them because I might become them. So if we have visitors, I do not say take your shoes off. But if they offer, if they go, ooh, nice house, nice floors, should I take my shoes off? I go, hmm, yeah, yeah, why not? You offered. And I also could see myself growing into that type of family. The old shoes off family where they have a bin right at the door to let you know, here's where your shoes go as you prance around in your socks. Because I will be monitoring how dirty the place gets throughout the visit. That's just me, OCD. How you doing? If you come into the house, I will watch your feet and how many wipes on the mat as you come in. Stomp around. I'll already be thinking about the vacuum situation later in the day. Okay, got to vacuum that area. Got to vacuum that area. I'm not a good host, I guess. I mean, I like when people are over, but I'm not a good host. If I'm always monitoring how dirty the place is getting as people are over at the house. You ever see somebody smear some dog shit in? I've seen it a few times in my life. To be the person that steps in dog shit and then smears it into somebody's home. I mean, there's no living that down. You just become affiliated with dog shit for the rest of your life. If I ever am going to somebody's house and on their way in, I step in their dog's shit because they're not picking it up and I smear it all through their house. Yeah, I guess that's an indictment on me and the dog and the pickup habits of the family. This doesn't sound foreign to you. You know what I mean? We've all seen these situations. I once had a house party in high school. Somebody smeared dog shit all over the place. Whose fault is that? Quick question. I don't know. It's a multi-pronged answer. Probably mine for not picking up the dog shit. Okay, this episode is not supposed to be about dog shit. It's about more serious stuff. Outage, power outage over the last few days, affecting over 2 million people. But who's really being affected? There are tears to this right now. There are tears. There are people who are told, leave your home. And there's no guarantee you'll ever see that home again. Fire's a coming. Fire is a coming. The blaze is coming your way. Get the photo albums, get some clothes, get your wallet, get enough food, get your kids, get a pillow, leave your home. That is the ultimate crisis. And for a lot of people, homes burned down and businesses burned it down. So the Kincaid fire in Sonoma was ugly. It was frightening. It was sad. It was horrible. Yet it wasn't surprising. This is what happens in late October. Welcome to California. This is the annual fire terror that scares the shit out of everybody. And then the lower tier of people that have been affected are the ones who had no power for a few days, including us. And it's weird because you get the warning, you know, PG&E still tells you, they send you an email, you can check Twitter, whatever your source for news is, and you learn, okay, my address is in the power outage zone. And at that point, you got to prepare, you got to go, okay, what are all the things I need right now? How much do I rely on power for this, this, and this? Can we eat? Can we do this? 
Can I take care of a dog? Can I take care of my daughter? Can I take care of myself? You start to ask these weird questions like, what do I need right now? Batteries, full tank of gas, Chef Boyardee. You're damn right I bought six cans of beefaroni. You're damn right. Finally had an excuse. And I went to Safeway. The lights are out at Safeway. It's kind of eerie. It's like a horror movie. This is a great setting for a horror movie, a power outage, especially because it's Halloween and everybody has these lawns that look like cemeteries, these graveyard displays all over the lawns. But really now the power's out, so it's really scary, even for adults. Just walking around with my dog at night during a power outage. No streetlights, just skeleton hands coming out of lawns. And I just watched the Jordan Peele movie Us, which is a horror. It's pretty good. It's not as good as Get Out, but it's pretty good. And I don't even like horror movies, but let me get back on track for a moment. So it's Safeway. People are acting like fucking maniacs, maniacs, shouldering one another. Like in six minutes, we're all out of batteries. We're all out of propane. Safeway just sells out of everything. Meat going bad. Flies are in the store. I saw one guy eating another human leg in the corner. I did. Nope, that's a lie. I didn't see that, but I imagined it in my head. Just cannibalism immediately. Five minutes into the power outage, people are already just eating each other. I saw one woman bite the neck of a stranger and she just had the flush in her mouth. She was shaking it around, shaking it around like a puppy with a chew toy. This lady was just shaking cheek flesh and neck flesh and she was dipping it in soy sauce that she put a little wasabi in. That doesn't sound bad. Actually, everything does sound bad. Sorry, just I was thinking about sushi, wasabi, soy sauce, but actual sushi, not somebody's raw flesh. It had the feel of a crisis immediately, is my point. People were not acting civil. Now, after a day or two, people were kind of acting civil again. People are being nice. You know, community, what do you need? Can I help in any way? Neighbors are saying to each other, you need coffee? We got you. You know, can I help you out in any way? Do you need something? Do you have cell service? Can I help you? People are knocking on doors because phones aren't working. So people eventually became nice and supportive. But that first initial response not good not good even myself i was like okay i guess i underestimated the fact that i need a garbage disposal a washing machine a dishwasher you know the little things not just entertainment okay this isn't about tvs out what do i do you get a candle you get a book okay you get a candle you get a book and you put a sweatshirt on and if you have a barbecue outside you barbecue 16 straight meals not kidding we barbecued 16 straight meals well not really barbecue on the grill but we had a little propane had a little burner out there so you're making your eggs out there you're making your chili out there you're making your clam cheddar out there you're making hot dogs out there hot dogs out there hot dogs out there i love hot dogs what an excuse to just eat too many then you realize haven't had a vegetable in a few days stores don't have fresh produce at this point so you go back to hector boyardee yeah i know his first name okay i know his first name it's hector and it's always a tough decision. Do I go mini ravioli? Do I go spaghetti and meatballs? Do I go beefaroni? Do I go full-size ravioli? And is my daughter going to like any of this? The answer is no, not really. And she's not a picky eater, but she's not about to eat Chef Boyardee out of the can like mom and dad. Mom and dad were the goblins in the dark just eating out of the cans. <laughs> Daughter's looking at us like, God, be civil. Act human, won't you now, you hear? So truly, after a few days, the power comes back on and it's a relief, but I don't want to act like, oh, it was just so brutal. There were people acting like that. Oh, this is so terrible. No, it's not. It's really not. Okay, just be safe. Just be safe on the roads. Make sure you have enough food to get through it. But it's not like we were going to live this way for a full week. 
Most of us knew it's just going to be a few days. People are getting pissed off with PG&E. I get it. But you know how I felt? Huh? You want to guess? Blessed. Fortunate. Sometimes you got to welcome the setbacks, right? I mean that. Sounds like a bunch of bullshit. In the moment, I was even trying to get my brain to act that way. Appreciate this. Appreciate this. Did my phone just go off? I got to turn that off. Because this will pass. And when this passes, you'll appreciate power. You'll appreciate that dishwasher. You'll appreciate when the heat comes on. And it's true. Setbacks are okay. It's part of life. When you accept that, you won't be so rattled. I'm just spewing all this stuff I hear on my mindfulness app. But come on. I'm starting to believe it. Honestly, I'm somebody that sweats the small stuff, but I don't sweat the big stuff. I don't sweat the big stuff. It's a weird aspect of my personality. Like a power outage, it doesn't cause me to go nuts. But during a power outage, if there's a long line at a store, like 50 people deep, and people are not being polite, that's what bugs me. But the big thing, like the big power outage, that didn't bug me. It's just the way people were acting initially. Social media, what a toxic wasteland for people to display their opinions. Just going nuts. Wait till people read this tweet of mine and I'll get four likes. Wait till people see this anger spewed throughout next door. Relax, it's been three hours of a power outage. The issue is way bigger too. The issue is way bigger. It's fires. You know, this was precautionary. With the winds coming, and if the winds pick up and blow the blaze, PG&E is trying to cover their ass. Unlike last year. But then what's going to happen a year from now, and a year from now, and a year from now? That's the question. This is the crisis that looms, is that our government has to deal with nature. What's the policy? You know, What's the legislation that's going to pass? Just put all the power lines underground? Pass that bill? Spend that cash? As if it's so easy? The truth is, we are fragile. We're delicate. We're humans. Fire wins. Wind wins. As in, you could pass all the laws, but eventually, neighborhoods are just going to burn down if they're built in these fire zones. If the winds pick up and it blows the fire your way, you could get angry with the power company. You could get angry with government. But really, natural disasters, those win. Is it natural is the other question as we tiptoe into the category of global warming? I don't know. I mean, I could Google a few articles and spew that, but I don't know. I just know that people get very angry and it's not going to stop. It's not like we're just going to reach one year where it's like, all right, fire issues were solved. Thanks, governor. Now on to immigration. Now that they took care of fire and wind. No, this is the fear that's just going to be lingering in our lives come late October. We are so reliant on tech, electricity, and our devices that when it all stops, we just feel eerie. Like there's a residue of fear. Just in the streets, you feel it like a fog coming in, a fog of terror. Mustn't complain. That's the moral of the story. Mustn't complain. Although my wife and I did have the, the talk. We had the talk. The old, where would we go? If we were truly in a zone that was being threatened, where would we go? I'm starting to think, God, I actually have never thought about that. I'm very nearsighted, I guess. I don't plan well for devastating events. I should. I should. I should have a plan. What would I grab? What would I round up? Where would we go? Have an uncle in Foster City? Maybe. Or would we just have to get out of the Bay Area altogether? Just drive. Oh my God. 
it's interesting that Halloween is all about horror movies because when you start to put yourself in that situation, if you had to grab everything and just drive away from your home, that's horrific. Now, that's not an entertaining horror movie. That's just a sad one. But it feels like if it's the middle of the night and you can see the fire off the side of the road and you have to say goodbye to your house. I know this is morbid. This is depressing. But this is exactly what families are doing right now. Right now. Just dog baby some clothes and a wallet. That's it. Get your cars and go. Everything else is replaceable. Maybe. That's up for debate. See, this is a heavy topic, isn't it? This is a heavy topic that people could only empathize with for a small amount of time. What I mean by that is if you're in, let's say, Indiana right now, or if you're in South Dakota and you're reading about the Bay Area fires or the California fires, you read about it and for a moment you go, oh, that's terrible. And then you're on to the next thing. I think that's how our brains function. We can only handle the heavy stuff whether it's studying history or current events or crisis modes you read about. And if it's not happening to you, there's only a certain amount of time the brain can cling to that and really be empathetic and compassionate to the people who are in the midst of the horror before it moves on, before the brain just moves on to something so minimal. I actually think that's more how we're wired. That's why we don't, for the most part, just think about death all the time. If you did, you'd be completely miserable. You know, like I've said, you think about death once in a while and it could be motivating as in, I want to seize the day and make every day special and really value my minutes in the world. Or it could just scare the shit out of you and cause you to be depressed until you want to just focus on things that make you happy, like a sandwich from Scotty's or a slice of pizza from LaCocos or watching a Warriors game. Little things, sports, watching sports on TV. The new Jenny Slate special on Netflix, by the way, Jenny Slate is wonderful. Love her. But she has a bit about football. She's not a sports fan at all. She doesn't understand football at all. So her bit on football, when she watches it, she just sees a bunch of grown kids in uniforms chasing each other around. That's what her eyes see when she described it. Oh my God, she conveyed it so perfectly about Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, the conversations that they might have in the locker room when they change out of their man clothes into their uniforms and talk about the toy. You got to watch the special. But when she described sports, it made me realize, oh yeah, it's such an insignificant Minimal aspect of life. You know, these games with balls that we watch professionals play and it changes our moods. We get excited. We get pissed. We get sad. We talk about it with friends. Did you see the Niners game? Man, the Warriors are struggling. We talk about it like it matters, right? Does it? I don't know. That's a tough question. Does it matter? It's so easy to say no. It's so easy to say no. But if it creates a diversion that enhances your life or brings you a spark of joy, then yeah, it matters. Yeah, it fucking matters. You could always make the case that it doesn't. That's the easy way to say they're just playing with a ball. Grown men playing a kid's game. Yeah, but the reactions of people, fans watching it, they need it. Cooking shows, does it matter watching somebody mince and dice and puree and saute? No, it doesn't really matter, but I love it. I don't watch cooking shows, but I love food. A food documentary once in a while. Jiro dreams of sushi. You know, watching a sushi master, what's he doing? He's just putting raw fish and seaweed with rice, but he's doing it at such a high level that it matters. Now you take a step back, you zoom out and you go, does that matter? No. The amount of shit throughout our day that doesn't matter far outweighs the heavy stuff that matters. Most things that create stress, I don't know about you, but most things that create stress are so insignificant, yet they consume me. Not a great quality. I guess that's why I meditate. I'll worry about the little 
these things. We put so much self-importance onto how we do it, our jobs, which is fine. I mean, it's good to try to be your best in your career or whatever job you have, but really no one gives a shit. You mess up, you make a mistake, you learn about it. You learn what not to do. You ever stress out about what you're going to wear to an event? You have those moments where you look in the mirror and you go, I don't look good in that. You go to your closet and you go, I hate all that. You look at your shoes, you go, uh uh-uh. Look in your drawers and you go, no, how did I accumulate all this shit? You just start to hate your clothes and it creates stress. Guess what? No one has ever cared about your outfit. It's true. I guess you do. I mean, I like clothes, but I've stressed over it. No one cares. There's a typo in our school newspaper that'll like haunt me. No one cares. Think about your job right now, whatever you do. If you're listening right now, think about your job. All right, now think about the last mistake you made. All right, and how'd you react? Were you kind to yourself? No. Did you follow all the mantras? No. You got pissed at yourself, you got stressed. And then after a day or two, or maybe an hour or two, depending on how quick you can brush something off, you realized, oh, it doesn't matter. Beautiful thing. See, we believe we're so complex. We believe we have such depth. The level of self-importance we put on our one lifetime, I guess we're designed that way. It's good. You don't want to feel insignificant. But really, most people can just sum you up real quick. Think about your own group of friends right now. Think about your own group of friends. If I asked you, who's the smartest in your group? Think right now. I'll give you a moment. Like who comes across as the most intelligent? All right. You could sum up that person that way. Yeah. One of my friends is really smart. All right. Who's the funniest? Think about your group of friends right now. Who's the funniest? All right. You could sum up people's character in one quality, in one word. So people might live in their bodies and minds and feel complex, but the way we're perceived, people could sum us up real quick. I mean, maybe not your mate, maybe not the people closest in your life, but most people, when they know your name, see you around, they could just sum you up real quick. Who's the best athlete in your group of friends? Boom. That's the sporty one. Who's the best looking in your group of friends? Who's like the best looking? Like widely agreed. Oh, that's our best looking friend. That's the hot one. You like how I'm doing this? Minimizing it? down to these traits. I'm not saying that's the actual extent of that person's existence, but we do put people in these quick little categories. It's easy for us, quick little categories. Most of us don't know which category we are in for other people to see. Who's the biggest bitch? Who's the biggest jerk in your group? Who is the one person in your group of friends where you're like, we should probably eliminate that person. All right, that person, that's the fuck face. You get rid of them. Or they just get grandfathered into every social setting and you start to wonder, why are you still around? Why are you still around? I love my group of friends. I really do. But I could also sum them up real quick. That's the funny one. That's the good athlete. That's the musical one. That's the good looking one. That's the real smart one. It's kind of funny. Get in where you fit in, right? I act like I just made a great point because I said, get in where you fit in, an old too short lyric. You know, get in where you fit in, boys. The weirdest question is this. This is all a buildup to one question. How many people really know you? And then it's going to get weirder. And how well do you know yourself? Like, are you aware of your shortcomings? Are you aware of the areas you should probably improve? Are you aware of your biggest flaws? And if you are, is that a good thing? Or would it be better to live a life where you're blissfully naive and ignorant and unaware of all that shit. So you never get down on yourself. Like I live a life where I think I'm a little too aware to a fault, way too aware of the areas where I got to improve. And I start to wonder, would it be a better life? Like, would I have less stress? 
if I just didn't notice any of the nonsense? Any of that bullshit? I don't know. But because I would classify myself as a person that's pretty honest with myself. Uh, pretty honest. No facade. Not trying to fake it. No fronting. He doesn't front, folks. He doesn't front. Then I think I'm pretty easy to get to know. So how many people truly know me? I guess my close friends and family, wife, yeah. And not that many. Do your coworkers truly know you? Of course not. Most of your coworkers don't truly know you. They know the work you. The work you is good. You better maintain that. And then slowly you could develop friendships with work people and it becomes friendships, but you show up to work immediately, you're the work you. Then maybe the mask comes off with a few, but come on, authentic self, grow into it, authentic self. Back to the other question. How many people really know you? The answer is it doesn't have to be a lot of people. What's interesting is how many people probably get it wrong. Misperceptions. Just you get inaccurately labeled. People can't read you. People might think you're sarcastic. They might think you're a moron. They might think you tried too hard. I don't know all these things. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I guarantee you, in your life right now, there's plenty of people that just have the wrong image of who you are. Probably more so, right? More people don't get you than get you. Because it takes effort to let people get you. It takes effort. It's so easy to be dismissive. Not to be a jerk, but just to, you know, have on-the-surface relationships with some people in your life. Whether it's neighbors or friends of friends. You know, the, hey, how are you? Not too bad. I'm doing well. Doing pretty well. But like I said, I'm so shitty at small talk. I'm so bad at small talk. I almost think that's one aspect of society we should just change. No more of it. It shouldn't be considered rude to just eliminate small talk. Because it doesn't matter. I mean, I do struggle on my dog walks. They're nice people. They're really nice people. They go, hey, how old is he? You know, that's the first question with dogs. And then I get stumped. We, we get to the weather real quick. How old is he? It's been windy lately, huh? Okay, have a good one. Nothing was accomplished. Now you know how old my dog is and we agreed that wind is in the air. What if we just went by one another and it wasn't considered rude? You just walk by people. And if there's nothing that sparks the desire to speak, you don't have to, huh? Sounds like I'm being cynical. I'm not. But I do know how to gauge my own irritability. I know how to measure it. Sometimes we're unaware of that. Like, how irritable am I today? Uh, if somebody says something I can't understand, I actually just can't hear them properly. Once, I'll go, what? Twice, if I go, I feel myself getting pissed. Then I go, oh, oh, I'm irritable. That's my measure. If you say something, Travis been bad today. Okay, I didn't catch that. Travis been bad today. What are you saying? Traffic's been bad today. Oh, okay. God, fuck. Why? Why? Why the first two times? I couldn't catch it. Is it my ears? Is Are you mumbling? Mumbling? Or if somebody says something in a different room, they're too far away, you can't hear. You know, that should be okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I find myself growing irritated by that, I go, oh, that's on me. I'm in a mood. Okay. Yeah, try to be bad today. People going in there, where you going? Can't really go if it wasn't that. Herbert's been really mo. Herbert's been really mo, perhaps going for it. That annoyed you, right? Just listening to all that? You'd go, what is he saying? That's it. I only have one way to measure how irritated I am on a certain day. And that's if I give you two tries to tell me what you said. And I still can't. Nope. 
Where's the buzzer? Where do I get to eject myself from the situation? All right, I think it's time we finally talk about foreign exchange students. These are people from other countries that come here and they stay with a family to learn about America and maybe to learn English and about our customs and our culture. This happens. In our country, we have foreign exchange students, people who come here for what? A few months, maybe half a year, maybe a full year, and they stay with a family. And that is their glimpse into America. And whenever they go back to their home country, it's mainly the family that shapes them. So did we have a foreign exchange student when I was 10 named Mihoko from Japan? You're damn right. Mihoko Sacho. I'm not making that up. I was recently at my mom's house and I looked through family albums. You know, the old, did I imagine that? Nope, there she is, Mihoko. Mihoko in a kimono. She came when I was 10 years old, I think for a few months, from Japan. How are we going to show this person America? The Rosenbergs. Oh boy, welcome to the dojo. 1991, not a great year for the Rosenbergs to display the American dream. That's an overshare. But Mihoko was the sweetest, most docile soul. I remember her at the dinner table. And then I remember the commotion of those Rosenbergs erupting into true dysfunction. Hey, Mihoko, this is America. Fighting and 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 stop. Fighting and sleep. Fighting and eating. Fighting and sleep. Fighting and fighting and fighting and sleep and eating and fighting. How was your stay in America? And then she goes back to Japan. And sure, she probably saw a bunch of sights. I bet we did a pretty good job. I don't know. I think we did a Tahoe trip from San Francisco. I really don't remember much, but I was thinking, huh, it's pretty important to get placed with a good family. But we weren't the worst. No, we weren't. I had a friend. You want to hear about the worst? I had a friend, and this is not a joke, who didn't understand the rules of a foreign exchange student. And my buddy, I won't say his name right now. Okay, Danny. My buddy would get hungry and ask the foreign exchange student from Japan. His family used to have a lot. Like every year they had a foreign exchange student just in the house. Usually from Asia, Japan or China. And Danny would go right into their room and say, Hey, I'm hungry. How about some Tino's pizza rolls? Hey, I'm hungry. How about some bagel bites? You could learn to make some snacks around here. I was like, damn, Danny? I mean, I love pizza rolls and bagel bites, but I'm not sure you should be doing that with your exchange students. There got to be rules in place where you teach the kids. You don't just teach the adults. You got to teach the kids how to deal with the foreign exchange students. And the habits of the family, it's very weird. So if I was a foreign exchange student, pick any country right now. You just sent me into Paraguay, Bolivia. Send me anywhere. Let's go. Where am I headed? Cambodia. And let's just say, you know, I was there to learn about the culture and learn a language and see it all. But you place me with a real weird family. Then that country would be weird. And the whole country's weird to me. You send me to Bolivia and give me the weirdest Bolivian family, I might not identify that they're weird. I just say, this is Bolivia. <laughs> Whoa, Bolivia. Aren't you a wild country? Because the family was a little wild. The family was a little awkward. The family was a little off. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Gotta screen the families. Actually, maybe weirder is better. Yeah, put them through some wacky shit and then send them back to their home country to spread the word of what it was like. How was America, Mihoko? Well... 
the 10-year-old boy likes to stand on his bed with a tennis racket and scream sing the lyrics to all of the songs on the La Bamba soundtrack. People go, really? So Americans love the La Bamba soundtrack and they pretend the tennis racket is a guitar and they stand on their bed and they know all the lyrics and they want you, Mihoko, to be the audience? She goes, yep, that's America. All right, why not? How dismissive if I just ended the podcast with thoughts and prayers to everybody who had to evacuate due to the fires. But what if I actually meant it? Like not the old social media thoughts and prayers, phony baloney, but to actually mean it. I'm going to attempt right now because I do care. So thoughts and prayers are with these families. That's not just a tagline at the end of a podcast. By the way, I feel rusty. I feel like this is my Sudoku. You know, people do Sudoku to stay sharp in their mind. I feel like this is how I stay sharp. I got to keep doing these. Eventually, I do plan to stop. I don't think I'll be doing this forever. Maybe when I reach 100, I'll completely change the dynamic of this podcast. But it's good for my brain. I feel like it's good for my brain activity. You got to stay sharp. We all need those things. Like reading. Go read. It'll sharpen you. I think. Because if I don't read for like a month and go to a book, I feel like almost dyslexic. Like I misread words. I go whole pages without like comprehending the content. But if I'm reading consistently, then I'm going faster. Comprehension's at a high level. It's just like any skill, right? Sharpen it by doing it. So I got to keep doing the podcast. And I I don't want to just have a tagline of thoughts and prayers are with the families, but I want you to genuinely hear those sentiments and know that I mean them because it's so ugly. If you're hearing the news on the radio, if you're watching it unfold on TV or reading about it online or in the newspaper, it just seems like a sci-fi movie to see all of these cars stuffed with all of people's belongings as they drive away from their homes and not know if they're ever going to see the home again. It's tough to really let that sink in. Like, what if you love your home? You love your neighbors, your neighborhood. What if you're near a park that you love or near a school that you love and you're told, all right, start over, start life over in late October. Just start over. Now it's a school week. You might miss a few days and then go find a new district. Go find a new town. Go find a new house. It's insane. So it's truly a bummer. Obviously, anybody that only had a power outage is fortunate. Nothing to complain about. All right, that is episode 72. Much love to you. This episode is officially in the books. I'll talk to you soon.